The Giant. Thinkers. Giant Thinkers Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hey, Giants Ram here. Welcome to episode number 90. I hope your 2022 is off to a productive and purposeful start. In this episode, I'll be sharing how to use design thinking as a problem-solving tool. Before we begin, I invite you to follow me on Instagram if we aren't connected already. My handle is thegiantthinker as I share daily posts and stories on helping decision makers, business owners, and leaders get unstuck lightning fast through human-centered design methodologies, creative strategies, digital marketing, and branding. Just send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you as well. Once again, you can find me on my handle, The Giant Thinker. All right, let's get straight into it. I'll be speaking about design thinking as a problem-solving tool. You don't need to be a designer. In fact, it's better that you're not. It's both a philosophy and a tool that has served me and many of the most forward-thinking, innovative, and successful people that I've come to know and brands that I've come to help develop in the world. It's a philosophy of putting humans first at the heart and center of our decision-making. It's a philosophy in that solutions are constantly iterative. And it's a tool in a way that reverse engineers a desired outcome, informed decisions, putting people first. So if we explore this idea that wealthy people always find a way, then you might be thinking, yeah, of course, but it's easier said than done, Ram. (laughs) So the part two to this is how, how do we find a way? So before I share this, it's five stages, okay? It's a five-stage method of design thinking. We need to identify and acknowledge our baseline. We've got to ask this within ourselves, first and foremost. How ready and open are we to receive this? Do we currently operate from a place of solving problems or do we actually add to the problem? Do we see obstacles all the time or do we see opportunities? You see, the world is not in a shortage of problems. The world is in a shortage of problem solvers, action takers, explorers, leaders, diversity and inclusion, connectors. And when we feel that friction within us, it's probably knocking at the door. What is your worldview that's being challenged? And is that current worldview going to get you to where you want to go? What is your current operating system? What are the current thoughts and beliefs that lead and govern your current behavior? Do any of those need to change? So I invite you to take whatever you need as I'll be sharing a very practical method today. I'll dive into it now. And it's a universal design thinking method. I'll include some frameworks and tools as well. And it might help you design better products, services, businesses. It might even help you design your life. This is all 
uh, applicable to anything to impact your wealth and well-being. So feel free to grab a pen and paper, a digital notepad if that's easier. Uh, I'll be running through this quite fast and in the, the entire sequence with a decent amount of detail and examples so that you can cling on to practical examples to help connect the dots. So the generally, the universal design thinking framework follows uh, this flow. There's an understanding phase, exploration phase, and then there's a, the materialization phase of that. But to break it down, as I said, there's five main phases, and these are the five that I'd like you to, to start to absorb. There's the empathy phase, so we empathize. There's the define phase, we, we define the problem. There's the ideate phase, so we come up with ideas. There's the prototype phase, where we start to bring an MVP or some type of minimum version to life. And then there's the test phase, where we test it into the world. So I will pull this apart. The, the, the idea behind design thinking as a definition is to really just keep it human, to keep the person in mind from beginning to end and to leave people in a better state before their interaction with you or your product or your service, your business or your brand. So this isn't a strict prescribed method. It's, lin it's not linear, actually. It's fluid. It's not uncom uncommon to jump between these steps as well. So let me break down the first one, empathy, empathize. We need to understand the user or the person that's interacting with us in the world and the problems that they face by conducting interviews. We can create empathy maps. We can listen to user stories or human stories of the people that we want to help. So ask in the empathy phase, first of all, and again, you might apply this, things might start bubbling up in your mind. You know, should I apply this to my, my, my side hustle, my business? If you work for someone else, maybe a project, an initiative in the company that you're in, it doesn't matter. Just start thinking about who you want to help. What are their challenges? What are their needs? I mentioned the empathy map. For those of you that are unfamiliar with that, that's okay. It's simply this. You, 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 you get the group together even two or three people of who you're targeting and you're asking them what they're thinking about a particular scenario that you want to help make easier or a problem you want to solve. What are they thinking? So there's a thinking column. Get your post-its out, you know, right. What might I be thinking in this scenario? Or, you know, what might you be thinking? You're asking the, the people. What are they feeling? What are they saying? What are they doing? What might they be hearing? What might they be seeing? Okay, so this is the basic empathy map. You can Google it. There's plenty of different uh, examples of that. But that's a very common tool. Another tool that you can use under empathy to help you draw out an empathetic point of view is simply pains and gains. You have a column asking the person, what are you feeling as painful? And what are you feeling as something you'd like to gain? What would you like to gain in this scenario that you're currently not getting? So we need to get to know the person or the cohort of people and their circumstances. And we have one goal in, the, in this first phase of empathy. It's to understand. Now, I'll give you some examples. Uh, you know, for, for lack of a better one, there's, there's Walmart, the founder, Sam Walton. Uh, I love this. He, he actually realized that there is an opportunity to put a massive store in the middle of almost nowhere. And... There's plenty of interviews about Sam and, and he, he basically decided to 
um, put most of the Walmart stores in the middle of nowhere. And the question is, what was that customer insight? And he arrived at this and he found this out through speaking with people. He understood that there was a highway system that had improved uh, greatly in the US. And uh, that was because of the Eisenhower Highway Bill. And now customers and people were more comfortable to travel long distances to go to a shop or a supermarket. Uh, And then also it was cheaper to ship products to the store. So he realized all this. He realized that if he was to build a, a store in a, in, a, in a further, more, more uh, empty space, um, he, could, he could create more demand from what was already moving in that direction. He had no competition as well. And that was the, the foundation of Walmart. Uh, one of the examples of one of the most loved brands, of course, is Apple. Uh, but I, I wanted to, to, to really highlight this. Um, there was a, a time when the iMac was being created. And uh, one of the stories that I love was when Steve Jobs called a meeting and said that he, he parked the launch of, I, of the iMac and he said that we're going to do four colors. Four colors, they said. All the left brain people in the, in, in the, uh, in the company were against it. They, they said, this is nuts. Four colors. They said, this is going to increase our inventory. It's going to create problems with forecasting. So many problems are going to come out of this. Problem, problem, problem. It's going to delay the launch. What's the big deal with colors? And Steve Jobs actually said, well, we're going to do four colors because colors are the way people express themselves. Simple as that. It makes the computer more of a personal asset. It also reflects their identical personalities. And these colors now looking back, imagine that conversation. These colors now looking back played a critical role in the success of not just the iMac, but the entire Apple range. So a big part of customer insight and putting people at the heart is really this quantitative research. This customer insight involves going deep into building empathy, understanding the the people's point of view, too often we're designing experiences for ourselves. If you look at IKEA, they created not just a, a furniture shop, but a destination. Heck, I go there for the meatballs. Now my local IKEA here in Sydney sells salmon. Goodness me, they sell the most delicious chocolate mud cake too. You know, and the way that they've designed it, granted, it's bloody hard to get out. You know, pretty pretty fair, but it's almost it's it's genius, and not to mention the modularity of their product, which is a whole other thing. And so I'm emphasizing empathy because we often don't ask and go deeper into the problem, and that is where the solutions are. There's a story that I share all the time about oranges. Three people arguing for the oranges. One was yelling at the other and it got pretty intense. And when the question was asked, well, what do you want the orange for? Three people arguing over oranges. One said, I, actually, I just want the orange for the juice. One said, I wanted it for the skin because I want to make a fragrance and oils. And one wanted it for the seeds. <laughs> so we've got to really go down that path. 
one of the projects that I really uh, wanted to share, which was most meaningful in my design career, is I was uh, the lead designer for New South Wales Transport. It's uh, New South Wales Trains. So the brief was a dream brief. It was design the next 10 years of the New South Wales uh, train system. And for those that might be unfamiliar, Sydney is the city with which New South Wales is the state. And it's like saying, obviously not to that degree in terms of population, but design the next 10 years of the, of the New York subway or the London underground. So I had the opportunity to work in New South Wales Transport's um, project for this. And one of the things that we identified was no one was using the trains or hardly anyone was using the rural trains, trains out in the middle of nowhere. Some of these were 15 hours away, could you imagine? And the organization said, oh, we know why. So here we go. They've introduced assumption. They've introduced bias. They said, it's because no one's working there full time. There's no like human manned staff, they said. And we can't afford to, to pay for someone to work there and be in the train stations of these rural local towns in the middle of nowhere and pay them, you know, 16 hours uh, plus uh, per day. And I said, well, hold on, let's just go there and ask them what the situation is. Let's speak to the community. And you know what we found? <laughs> they, they, they were indeed uh, hesitant to use the, the stations in the middle of nowhere. Who wouldn't? They, of course, were scared. They didn't trust being there. But the solution wasn't what they thought. All we needed to do was we needed to increase lighting in the train stations because it was so dark and we needed to implement CCTV footage and a sign, a big ass sign that said, so that 24 hour surveillance, okay, 24 hour surveillance. And that's all it needed. And it didn't cost, it, it, it cost a fraction of what they thought. And so implementing something like that, one of the things recently I, I, I volunteer at an organization that feeds the homeless here in Sydney um, once a month. And you know what was interesting as an interesting insight? Again, we're still on empathy phase here. But one of the things was that when I first volunteered, it's it's like under this bridge uh, in this outskirts of the city in Sydney. And you bring a plate or container of food and drinks and you just donate whatever you can and the homeless line up and they have a meal. And so at first I brought, I was like, oh, you know, let's give them some sustenance. So I just brought the, brought like easy, you know, grab and go salad type of thing, right? Simple salad. Nah, they didn't want it. Uh, then I brought, okay, let's maybe something delicious like spring rolls. So I brought spring rolls, mm, half a hit. Yeah, maybe. All right. Some of them did like it. Some of them didn't. And the third month that I donated, uh, food and serve them out. Uh, I brought boiled eggs, boiled eggs. And you know what? It was the fastest dish to go out. Gone, literally gone in 60 seconds. Everyone grabbed one, two eggs. There was not, no eggs left. I think I had like a hundred plus eggs. No joke. Right. And then I asked one of them, I said, mate, you really like that egg? And he goes, yeah, it's delicious. And he goes, uh, you know, it's, he, all he said was, 
we don't have the luxury of boiling an egg. Such a simple insight. Such a simple insight. We don't have the luxury of boiling an egg. And from that point on, obviously, and this is just, I've given you some examples there. So I really want you to, to cling on to the importance of empathy, to really go deep into what are their challenges? What drives a person? What are their friction points? Why do they want something and they, they currently can't get it? So we move on to the second phase, which is define. And we are basically organizing and analyzing this information that we got. We researched, we, we, we spoke to people. Okay, now we've got some research. We've got some data, qualitative, quantitative. We've got something. We've got what was said. You know, we've, we've, we've noted down what the empathy map, thinking, feeling, doing, saying. Okay, cool. We've got all that. But now we need to create a problem statement. And you might have a few. So we need to score and we need to vote with yourself or your partner or your team teammates. What is the most important problem to solve? So come up with problem statements. And what are our assumptions? And what are we're defining? Okay, what is the correlation and causation? What is critical right now? Prioritization is key to the define phase as well. And I have to say this, we need to prioritize human needs, or if it's a product, user needs over business goals. And this is where sometimes it gets flipped around. It's all about the business. It's all about the bottom line. Well, no, because actually if you focus more on the person, what they need, it will impact your bottom line better. And so we really need to define. The third phase is ideate. So ideate is, as, as you know, we're creating ideas, we're conceptualizing, we're, we're conceptualizing, we're brainstorming. This is the brainstorming phase. And one of the key things here is don't hold back. Imagine a better world. Imagine your wackiest ideas. This is where, and of course we pull back. You know, even Airbnb, it comes to mind. They do an exercise where it's, it's a design exercise where you ask, what does a three-star, four-star, five-star service look like? Okay. And then usually we stop at five, right? What does a five-star service look like? But no, they encourage, they, they encourage their design team to, to go further. What does a six-star look like? What does a seven? What is an eight? What is a nine? What is a 10? And granted, they pulled back. But one of the, I think that, that one of the not seven, eight or nine or 10, one of those high ones was, was um, you land at the airport and Bono picks you up and then you're greeted with a choir of angelic voices. You're then shipped and chauffeured with the most glamorous limousine and you're in your hotel and everything is sorted for you and you've got your perfect objects there. If you like surfing, that's already there for you. You've got your dinner reservation made, this, 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 right? And so imagine, ideate. Uh, I remember my first day at Design College, which was many, many years ago now, almost two decades ago. And I, I, this has always sat with me. My teacher said at Design College, to everyone, here's the brief. It's to sell recycled water as safe to drink. And you have to come up with 100 ideas in 24 hours. Just quick sort of 
taglines, headlines, if you wanted to scamp a little, you know, uh, image to, to, to um, uh, support the idea as a visual, sure. But, you know, come up with like 100 ideas, 100 lines. And then everyone was like spent and exhausted, come to class the next day. And my teacher said to everyone, now throw all those 100 ideas in the bin. And I said, everyone was like, what? And the teacher said, well, it's because they're the first 100 ideas that everyone else has already thought of. And so here's a, here's a tool for ideation. Write these three words down. How might we? How might we has changed the trajectory of every business I've ever um, been a part of, every, every business that I own and any, any business that I help with their branding and marketing and positioning in the, in the world. How might we dot, 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 however you finish that sentence can give you so much breakthrough. You know, how might we give people more control in the, in the buying process? You know, how might we create more trust? How might we reduce the clicks of this website from five to two? How might we get people to, uh, to, to, how might we communicate convenience in what we do or, or, or how might we build credibility? Start coming up with ideas. And we're still on the ideate phase, but one thing I'll also share is affinity mapping. Okay. Affinity mapping. So uh, when you have all your ideas, you're probably thinking, oh, great, I've got a hundred ideas. Now what the heck do I do with it? Well, here's what you do. You organize them. You bucket them into uh, themes, okay, or groups. What are the natural relationships? If, if this idea is more about speed or this idea is more about comfort, then put those post-its or however you've captured them and start synthesizing and organizing them in an affinity map. Okay, the fourth phase of design thinking uh, is prototype. So we're basically turning ideas into a physical representation, um, something tangible. Now I granted some are digital products, sure, but something tangible. And you can do this in a few ways, but one way is to pull apart an existing product, a competitor product. But the obvious one is of course, to, to arrive at a sketch. So just quickly sketch the, con the, the, the concept, do not, be fooled by the simplicity of a pen and paper. You know this. Come on, there's so many stories of uh, a napkin, drawing the idea of a napkin from the opera house right through to a chair. The greatest solutions have been from pen to napkin, for crying out loud. Sketch, okay, sketch. Now you move on to maybe digitizing or even at least mood boarding. Okay, start to really bring us into that world of how this might come to life. And again, not just product, but service. Okay, you can hand make it if it is a physical product. Go to the local hardware store, build stuff, make stuff. In fact, it is so accessible now to, I don't know, go on Upwork and pay someone 50 bucks to do a 3D printing model and then send that out. 3D printing is a very cost effective way. But what we want to arrive at right, is a physical version. And of course, if it is a um, 
digital product, let's say, you know, lots of people want to do education, course, digital course, uh, some online course of, of some type, create a bit of a trailer. Just if you can't sell with a, with a video or capture an email, for example, with an expression of interest, with a short 60 to 90 second video, you know, in effect, that is actually a prototype as well. So there's so many ways you can apply this. The fifth and final is test. All right, we need to put the, the prototype in the hands of the user and determine whether the product has solved the problem at hand and reduced friction or frustration. Here's a few questions that will help you. Giants, I hope you're enjoying this special solo episode this far. I wanted to pop in briefly at the halfway point here to put a spotlight on a platform that I've come to love since its inception. As you know, I imagine a world with more generous leaders and courageous problem solvers. And that's why I'm so passionate about design thinking, especially helping design better businesses and helping creative entrepreneurs. And one of the platforms to help us achieve this is an all-in-one web dev platform specifically for businesses, entrepreneurs, and creatives to achieve your vision. It's with Wix. I invite you to take your business online with Wix as they're the leading website creation platform that's got all the tools you need to create, manage, and grow your brand. Whether you're starting your online business or you've got a side hustle, you can design a site to showcase your brand that'll look great on any device. Join over 200 million people already using Wix's wide range of solutions to enhance their businesses like ultra-smart SEO tools designed to get you found on search engines, faster loading times to create outstanding user experiences, and payment solutions to help you boost your revenue. Plus, with enterprise-grade security built into every site, you know you're in safe hands. You can manage everything from one dashboard on desktop and mobile, so you can be available anywhere at any time, in the office, at home, or on the go. I encourage you to take a look for yourself, take it from me, have a peek if you haven't already, or you might have a while back and consider revisiting. I'm quietly confident you'll be pleasantly surprised. Head over to wix.com and create your website today. That's wix.com and grab a website you're truly proud of and one that delivers the outcomes you actually need. Once again, that's wix.com. Let's now head back to this episode. Literally gather, in fact, it doesn't matter, two, three, four people. It doesn't have to be huge, but we need to start somewhere. And here's what you're going to ask. You're going to ask them what worked well or what works well with what they're testing. Do this with your websites too. You know, this is hyper practical stuff, but what worked well? What didn't work well? What questions did they ask? What ideas did they suggest? You know, it's interesting. I, I I coach a lot of business owners, and I sit on the advisory board for multiple companies. And one of them is a um, a coffee chain here in Australia. And in the last board meeting, I said to them, "You know, how are we going with increasing repeat customers?" And they said, "Oh, look, we've been trying that card thing." I said, "What's that card thing?" Well, it's the the loyalty card, the good old loyalty card with the stamping. And I said, "Okay." So where are we at with that? Okay, so the, it's the old coffee card. You buy 10 
you stamp it when you buy 10 coffees and then you get the 11th one free, right? It's very universal, very, very common. And then I said, well, let's test something else. So first we tested not getting a coffee for free. You get something better like a, a bagel or, or a sandwich or something. That didn't really increase much uptake. Uh, so the uptake was about 33, 34%. Um, and we were wondering why aren't people, they come here anyway, why aren't they getting their stamps? Some of them don't even stamp. They, they come, they just get their coffee and they don't want it. So what, what is it? And here's what we found. And here's what we arrived at with this concept, with this test, again, through this design thinking method. We changed the card from stamping 10 stamps to 12. Now you might be thinking, okay, there must be, you know, how is that better? Well, here's what we did. We pre-stamped two as we gave them out. So we pre-stamped two of 12. Now, if you do the numbers, it's the exact same thing as handing out the 10. The, 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 the stamping of 10 didn't work. What we did was we said, get 12 stamps and you'll get your 13th free. And we pre-stamped two, right? So it's exactly the same, but we positioned it and presented it differently. And the insight and the hypothesis we arrived at was this, that people are more inclined to progress when they feel like they've already started. I'll say that again. People were more inclined, this is our hypothesis, that people were more inclined to progress and finish something if they had already started something. Now, in fact, IBM did this first. They had 100 uh, computers to sell for their target for each salesperson, 100 computers they had to sell back then, I believe in the 80s or 90s, right? 100. And you know what? No one was hitting their targets. No one. And you know what they did? They said, your goal is not 100 per day to sell. Your goal is now two. Just a test. And they not only all hit their targets, they built confidence because they had achieved, they had started, they've gotten off the mark, that accomplished something which primed them to succeed. You see, often we're in this room about you know, wealth and wisdom and, and, and about what do the wealthy people know and do? And you know what? They, they find a way. They are always tweaking and pivoting. They don't give up because, well, they couldn't sell this thing. And so this was a simple example with the coffee card, right? Um, and we are in this test phase. And one other thing I'll share for the test phase, the final phase here is, and then I'll give some, some additional examples, but it's a card sorting technique. So again, I want to give you practical tools that you can use today. And one of them is also a card sorting tool where it's a research technique where you basically create a set of cards, okay, that represent a concept or an item. And you can use this in the test phase and just ask people to group the cards in a way that makes sense to them. Right? And you can run this in three ways. There's an open, there's a closed, or there's a hybrid. And open card sorting is when participants sort cards into categories that make sense to them and, and label each category themselves. Okay, That's the open card sorting. 
The closed card sorting is when participants sort cards into categories that you've given them. And a hybrid is a mix of both. Participants can sort cards into categories you give them and can create their own. I, I do this all the time and, and you can too. Uh, I, I um, sit on the advisor board for a company called Tomorrow Superannuation. They're a fintech company. And we were wanting to think of a creative way to label the investment packages, the investment packages. We wanted names like gemstones and, and, and rainforest blah or whatever it was. And you know what? We were way off. <laughs> People didn't care about that. It was too abstract. And so this is my point. Get to the testing very quickly. And I'll, and I'll say that again, right? So we've gone from empathy. We're getting to know and understanding the user, understanding their worldview, understanding their friction points, their challenges. What do they want? What are they seeking? We then define. We've got a problem statement. We arrive at um, prioritizing the, the most critical goals. We then move into ideation. So we start brainstorming a variety of possible solutions and evaluate each one. How might we dot, dot, dot is what I shared as a, as a wonderful lead-in statement that you can explore. Prototype, it's basically turning it into a physical representation. At the very least, a sketch, okay? It's plain and simple, a mood board a slide that describes it. And then the fifth phase of the, des the design thinking process is test. So we put that prototype. And again, if it is a slide, put it in front of people straight away. Ask them, ask them like, what, is, what do you think of this? What's good about it? Does this pull you or push you away? Is, yeah, and you can even have um, a, a bunch of slides. This is very common too, it's, it's association imagery. So you can have uh, an image of two images of adventure. One is out in the bush in the wilderness. Another is in beautiful blue ocean water. Wow. Both are adventurous. Ask people, how do you define adventure? Is it this or that? This or that is another wonderful tool that you can use in the design thinking process. So... Um, I'm just going to share you a few other products. I'm going to zip through them, products and services. There's this woman, she created this group. It's called the Empowerment Plan, and she turned it into a business, all right? Empowerment Plan. You have to look at it. I use this as an example case study because it's so powerful. They basically solved a few problems in the, the I think it was the Detroit area, and they wanted to resolve this problem of homeless women specifically homeless women who have been abused and who have, you know, had, um, had, had fallen into poverty and, and addiction and, and all those things where, which made them difficult to get hired. So what she did was twofold. She created a product and a system to employ them. The product was, uh, was sleeping bags that turned into a jacket and a jacket that turned into a sleeping bag, all right? So it kept them warm through the day, but then it also um, zipped and, and innovatively turned into a sleeping bag. Check it out, the empowerment plan. And guess who she gets to make them? The homeless women who wear them and who use them. It's a wonderful initiative, and this is the power of design thinking. Um, I have had the fortune of speaking at Herman Miller. Um, we all know Herman Miller as one of 
the most renowned furniture companies. They've, they've made the Chase lounge chair, the marshmallow sofa, a whole bunch of different um, products. When I spoke at Herman Miller, I was invited to, to have lunch with the vice president. Um, uh, his name, uh, his name uh, escapes me right now, but he, um, he, it was a while ago and he said to me, uh, have lunch with me and, 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 and let's talk, right? So um, I said, wow, you've designed so many things even before Herman Miller. Uh, Gary Smith, there you go, his name's come to me, Gary Smith. He was previously the design director at Hasbro. He designed uh, G.I. Joe, Mr. Potato Head, My Little Pony. He literally, going back to the, the napkin and the pen, he literally drew them in front of me and how, how he, he created it. And now he's at Herman Miller and has been for many years now. And then he said to me this, he said, Ram, do you know what we do here at Herman Miller? And I said, oh, you make some pretty awesome furniture. And he said, no, we don't just make furniture. He said, we create life. And I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, people know us for chairs. But we don't just make chairs, Ram, he said. He said, what does the chair do? And then I said, fill me in, enlighten me, right? He brought me to this place and he described the chair so profoundly that you couldn't help but understand and see the chair differently and the, and, and the appreciation of what it does. He basically said something along the lines of, when you sit on a chair, it helps relax you after a long day. It brings you recovery from the stress of your lower back. You're able to breathe a little more. You're able to relax that little more so that you can show up for your family, your friends. You're in a place that gives you life. And I was like, mate, <laughs> that was incredible. But he described a product, and that is why Herman Miller are so successful, to be able to dissect and dilute down to that empathetic point of view. He went on to describe a fork, and I'm like, oh, my God, a fork. Okay, here we go. Give it to me. He said, Ram, do you know the most ingenious thing about a fork? I go, I don't know. You can stab, like, steak or, like, whatever you're eating and not cut yourself and he goes partly but <laughs> he said when you when you put a fork down it's it's the tool to eat hygienically and it never occurred to me and this is he's speaking to me I'm, I'm a designer and he's speaking to me about this and it's just blowing my mind and if you now look at a fork as something that that curves out doesn't touch the, the touch the table again that insight came from somewhere. Now, this quote has been done to death. It's by Oren Harari, and it's, the electric light didn't come from the continuous improvement of the candle. Now, I'm partially, mm, I'm a bit iffy about that because it's partly true and partly not. But the, the point is that the electric light, sure, didn't come from the continuous improvement of the candle entirely. I think it did, obviously, uh, with knowing about, you know, bringing fire into the world and then using tools to, to spark a, a, a flint and, and then it developed further and further. But the point is that the electric light came from the iteration of what the candle provided. It provided light. 
And that is a key thing as well, that, that, that we need to problem solve by staying true to the intention, right? We shouldn't get caught up in the, in the tactics too much. Uh, there's always another way. In fact, if you look at HelloFresh, I've been trying HelloFresh right during the pandemic. For those of you that don't know HelloFresh, it's basically a, um, a, a meal, uh, a grocery packed um, meal cooking kit, all right? You cook your own meals. And one of the things that I loved from it was that, wow, they found something so like an insight of even shopping and then quantifying it so you don't even have to think about the quantity and it's for people in that gap who still want to cook but who didn't want to shop you know and there's so many examples a friend of mine has released a product where it's a soap cube because he found out that soap is actually over 90 percent water and we used so much plastic in the packaging of soap and he created these dense soap cubes and you just add your own water and you reuse your existing bottles um there's so many examples you know shopify was created shopify the wonderful e-commerce platform that anyone can now sell online easily without having to know the the coding side of it shopify was created from a snowboard because the founders actually wanted to sell their snowboards they actually wanted to support their snowboarding business. But the act of building a better e-commerce store became a product because they wanted to sell their, their um, snowboarding gear. There's so many examples out there. Um, uh, one of the businesses I started in the pandemic was, uh, I, I was from this insight. I am in my mid-30s and I... Um, took up tennis because I didn't want to go to the gym. I was a massive gym goer, but I still am highly active. I need physical activity. I took up tennis, never picked up a racket in my life. And I hired some coaches, one of which was recommended to me. And he was a Spanish guy, lives in Sydney, grew up with Rafael Nadal. And I was like, mate, I want you to be my coach. Let's do it. And he said, you're into design and entrepreneurship. I want, I want you to coach me about that. And I go, let's just, let's just trade. I'll teach you this. You teach me tennis. And as I was teaching him, I said, we should really be applying these principles to something. Let's, let's just do a little project. I said, where in there is there a market gap? Now, granted, I've never been in the world of tennis, okay? And that's also a benefit. I'm not in their world. So I'll have a different point of view, just like you. You can mishmash all your experiences and you'll, have, you'll see something. You're going to have to, you know look at around you and be more observant but you'll find something and you're like huh that could be improved so in this context i realized that there's only one hour tennis lessons private and one hour tennis lessons group and i said there's nothing really after that unless you're a kid or a teenager and it's a one to two week summer camp type of thing there's nothing really in the middle and what i found was i said to his name's Andy. And I said, Andy, let's try this. Let's service adults, beginners who have never picked up a racket, but who want to have a little bit more than an hour because they're time poor, but they just want to get in, learn the basics, go hard, and then go home, right? 
three hours. Let's do a three-hour tennis boot camp for beginner adults in Sydney. We launched it on Eventbrite. Within 24 hours, it sold out. 10 players, 100 bucks a pop. Literally, it was just an exercise. We launched it again. We, we announced another date. That, that sold out within 24 hours. We're now 20 boot camps in, and we've built a Sydney uh, tennis community of 5,500 on Facebook. This all came from an idea that he didn't see because he wasn't the customer. And so there's so many out there. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to have, um, have created uh, and been a part of McDonald's touchscreens in Australia. It initially started as a, a build-your-own-burger, right? And they wanted to amplify uh, the restaurant experience, literally. $10, $11 burgers that came in a wooden board, right? And you would sit there, almost fine dining. Wild concept, right? McDonald's. But you know what? It worked. But it only worked because there was the customization and we gave people control. And now these touchscreens, which were meant to be temporary, uh, are now permanent installations in McDonald's across Australia. So... There's so many things here. I'll, I'll, I'll park it there, but I just wanted to say before we go to maybe one or two questions or comments, but design thinking has changed my life and, and I know it can be a tool and a philosophy that, can, that you can adopt too. You know, four weeks ago, I shared my position that being rich doesn't necessarily mean being wealthy, that being wealthy is acquiring internal, internal treasures for external change. The things that you overcome, your experiences, the pains that you feel, the things that you observe in the world, there is equity in that. You know, if you're a hairdresser, let's say, you're not just giving someone a haircut or a color. You're actually providing confidence, a sense of dignity and respect to people that you are helping with their just so happens to be hair. If you're a mechanic, you're not just tuning a car and some maintenance. You're actually providing safety to people, to families, so they can go to destinations and create memories. You know, the list can go on. But I challenge you to pair the industry knowledge that you're in and experiences you've had with this design thinking methodology. I remember Anthony Robbins saying at an event here in Australia many years ago that really stuck with me. And he said, money is neutral. It's neither good or bad. It's actually an amplifier of who you already are. You know, did you know that that statistics show that 70% of lotto winners lose or spend all the money that they that they've won? They did a study on this. 1 million to 500 million. 70% of those winners in 5 years or less lost all their money. Easy come, easy go. As the song goes. So I'll leave you with this. If you have a plan for yourself, you'll only impact yourself. If you have a plan for humanity and putting people first, you'll impact humanity. So I now challenge you to start seeing problems as opportunities. Lead with putting people at the heart and center of everything. Design for, for what people actually need, not what you think they need. So where in your industry or market is there something that desperately needs improving? something that's being underserviced. You have an enormous amount of life experience and observed experience. Back yourself. Equity, just built up. Don't let it go to waste. 
you know, the difference between an entrepreneur and a entrepreneur, uh, my coach uh, said to me recently is that the entrepreneurs take an idea and they turn it into an asset and a business. A entrepreneur just comes up with ideas and more ideas and more ideas. They don't act. You know, there's that, there's that whole thing about a car exists. Not to put petrol in it. It needs petrol to run, but it exists to take us to a destination. Just like a business exists. Not for money. It needs money. But a business exists to also have a purpose. It it is to move humanity forward in some way, shape or form. Because if the purpose isn't there, then the product doesn't matter. Thank you for listening, dear giants. I'm so grateful that you've spent this time tuning into this special episode, a topic that, as you heard, I am incredibly passionate about. There's a few more solo episodes coming from me this month. If you're enjoying these, one massive way that helps keep the show going is leaving an iTunes review. If you head to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review, it'll take you straight to it. I read and appreciate every single one and it helps get the show in front of more people who may need these stories and insights from our world-class guests and things I've learned along the way. A little teaser for the next solo episode, I'll be sharing about the law of singularity and how you can apply that to your propositions and messaging moving forward. Subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. That might be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or others. And you'll be notified as soon as it goes live next week. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me is on Instagram. Send me a message via my handle, The Giant Thinker. 